Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Zach Drew. And I'm Andrew Bellers. Thanks for tuning in this week, wherever you're watching, whether it be CTN or the PTL Television Network or Facebook or YouTube or any of the podcast forums that we're on. Thanks for watching. Listen, I just I uh, I want to say thank you for uh, just all of the responses that we got from last week's show. As you saw, you probably could have you know, you could tell that was a difficult show for me to talk yeah. about the failed Trump prophecies. Um, are the prophets, what is wrong with them? Are they, are they sick right now? They've gotten so many things wrong. Haven't, um, heard correctly from God. Haven't heard from God at all. Uh, many of them, and it was d difficult, you know, and, and many of you that have followed, um, you know, my, everything that I've done with in the TV world and, and, and ministry and television, you know why that was difficult for me. I don't have to say it. Right. Because a lot of them are my, fr are my friends. A lot of them I, I know um, are acquaintances and the ones that I don't know, a lot of my friends are, are great friends with them. Yeah. And we, I mean, we prayed about it and, and all of those words were chosen very carefully. Oh yes. And it just, it really is something that needed to be said. It needed to be said. And the response was absolutely overwhelming. I didn't expect that. I expected to, uh, you know, get ran out of town, so to speak. <laughs> but I felt convicted that I had to talk about those things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for every 20 positive responses we got, we got one negative, which is in incredible yeah. in, in this day and age. Um, and it really showed me that the things I, that, that I talked about last week are on so many of your hearts. And many of you are, are disgruntled that no one is, is speaking about it. There might be one or two other people in, in this sphere of people that are talking about it and, and you appreciated it. So thank you. And those that reached out to me personally, and uh, I just really thank you for that. That was a difficult show. And, and I want to, and, and, I, and I've had to do stuff like that a couple of different times in this ministry's uh, history, and it always is difficult, but I always want to be the man that just because something is difficult to do, that we rise to the occasion, that, that we not, we're not cowards, yeah. that we're courageous in these difficult seasons. Because there's going to be many more difficult things that will have to be said in the days ahead. So thank That's you for right. that. Listen, we've got a lot to uh, cover on today's show. Uh, the latest on the current, uh, you know, cancel culture movements with Dr. Seuss and everything. And, and you know about this, you know, whether you're watching and that happened a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, our purpose at this show is not just simply tell you what happened, but to, to break it down in a deeper fashion of what's really taking place. So yeah. we're going to be talking about Dr. Seuss. Don't worry, it's not old news. Um, and, you know, giving you our analysis of it and what's really happening behind the scenes. But before we get into that and we take a quick break for the intro, um, I want to just really, I really am I'm asking that whoever watches the show, maybe you've been watching for you know, a few months or a couple of years, if you haven't gotten involved, please do so. We are, and I've said this before, we are 100% not a product ministry. We do right. not have a single product, okay? You know that. We do not have a single sponsor. We do not sell commercial time. We do not sell ads on our website. We are 100% uh, sustained by simply people saying, I like this show. I was blessed by their content um, and I want to give to it. And if you want to give a one-time gift, please do that. Uh, we would never not accept a one-time gift. What we really need is monthly 
recurring partners. That is how we plan for the future. That is how we budget everything out. What can we do? Um, and, and as I told you last month, we have had a few different people uh, one cannot give any more ever again because they retired and three more are on just a temporarily hold because of certain things happening. And so we're down 12, almost $1,200 a month in recurring. So that's, you know, almost 15,000 a year, which is, which is a, a huge part of our budget. Okay. So please just get involved. Please just do it. Just, even if it's just $30 a month or something like that. Um, go to ZachDrewShow.com, click the bright orange donate button, and you can click that monthly recurring option, whether you go through PayPal or Tithely on the website, or write us at IGBY, which stands for I Go Before You, um, at P.O. Box 797, Decatur, Illinois, 62525. Please, I'm asking you if, you if you would get involved, that would just be absolutely amazing. We're gonna take a short break and coming back with poor, poor, Dr. Seuss being kicked out. Well, Dr. Seuss, no more green eggs and ham for you and I, Bellers. Nope. <laughs> or for anybody else for that matter. Unless you're incredibly wealthy and want to go on eBay and buy those books for about a thousand bucks a piece. Right. Well, we had to welcome Dr. Seuss into cancel culture heaven today because he has passed along with Mr. Potato Head, you know, Aunt Jemima, you know, the butter. What was the land of lakes? I mean, land the, of the lakes, list yep. just goes on and on. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. And there are just a bunch of crazy Marxists behind it all. That's right. They've got to absolutely deconstruct uh, an entire era of what it means to, you know, just American culture, whether they invade the NFL or the NBA or, or baseball or, my gosh, Hollywood, are you kidding me? <clears throat> or they, down to the kids' wanna, children's toys. They want to ruin every single form of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, they sure <laughs> do. Well, here we go. So, uh, article six, Dr. Seuss books won't be published for racist images. So, you can say goodbye to If I Ran the Zoo and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Uh, McElligot's Pool, that one's gone. Another one is On Beyond Zebra. The fifth on the list is Scrambled Eggs Super. And the sixth, no longer, The Cat's Quizzer. Now, understand that the decision to ban these six books was by educators and experts. So we can trust their decision and their wisdom, right? right. Because listen, guys, it was done by educators and experts. I want to let you know that this is fascism. Yeah. That's what it is. Please make no mistake about it. It's fascism. And I want you to just ponder with me. Tell me a single time where people burning books, and this is what this essentially is. It's a, it's a, it's a book burning. Yeah. Whenever were the people that were on the side of burning books the good guys. Well, the, Never. Pe <laughs> the people on the side of burning books have always been the fascists. Yes, yeah. this, this is the end of an era. That's what we're looking at. This is the end of an era. And I'm telling you right now, if you own one of those books, if you have a Mr. Potato Head, if you have any of these Dr. Seuss books, keep it. Keep it. It's the end of an era. Yeah. And now, Bellers found something. I thought, Bellers, this is, it's not funny, 
but it's so ironic yeah. that it is funny, but it's not funny at all. He said, Zach, because I'm looking over in the corner of the studio where he, his desk is, because I actually will do my work right here during the week. And he's over there back in the back of the studio. And he said, hey, Zach, he goes, do you know what the definition of fascism is? And I said, well, why don't you tell me? And he read it. And he's like, now tell me, who are the fascists? Tell us the story. Yeah. I mean, well, because you would think it'd be us. Because anytime, That's what we're called. anytime you hear the word fascist, it's the left calling the right fascist. And it's, people it's calling conservatives, Donald Trump. it's yeah. patriots that love God. These are the fascists to you the left. You think of the anti-fascists or how they label themselves Antifa. They're on the left. Well, if you actually, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but it, nobody really takes the time to sit down and explain what the word actually means. Well, here's the definition of fascist, and it's from Merriam-Webster. I mean, they've got a lot of flack from doing some pretty liberal things to their definitions of words. So by no means is this a conservative source. A political philosophy this is the definition of fascism, movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual. Okay, so that's the first point. Yep. Race above individual. And, and we'll go through, and I'll, and I'll hit these points after. Uh, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Well, let's just hit the first point. Exalting race above the individual. That doesn't sound like conservatives to me. No, it's not. I mean... You look at the left today, and they're all about regressing our society back into a form of tribalism. Mm -hmm. it, no, it, it no longer matters what your individual experiences are. It no long, longer matters the character of your heart. Exactly. Right? It's, and we've talked about this before. It's the exact flip of the dream that Martin dream Luther speech. King mm -hmm. Jr. had for our nation, uh, that we wouldn't be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Well, today in the left, you are judged first by your uh, intersections of oppression. And, and on the top of that list is usually your race. Mm -hmm. The second point, they stand for a centralized autocratic government. This is what fascists stand for. Fascists stand for Fascist, this. Fascist, yeah. Well, that's quite contrary to a conservative or a patriot that, you know, that loves God. We hate big government. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the party who loves big government today, it's the left. And then here's the, the third point. Why do they love big government? It's because of the next part of the definition for f severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition. They want to control how much money you have. They do. They want to redistribute the money equally, you know, along the lines of what they consider equity. They, they want to have power over what you can say over what you can do, over, over what, what you, you can, can read, over what you can over read, what you can read to your children, over what you can print. I mean, mm -hmm. that is the fascist. Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way, actually it was, uh, and I saw this, I don't know where she got it from. I have an aunt named, named Tanya and she posted on her Facebook this week. She goes, it's really interesting that apparently the definition of racism and anti-racism are the exact same thing. I said, well, that's very, that's a very clever point because racism is bad and it has a definition, but those who say we are anti-racist and coming after the racist, 
they themselves are like the most racist, which is just, it's the yeah. irony of the world we live in, where we, it's, it's, it's Isaiah 520. They're going to call the good things bad and the bad things good. That's right. That is where we are right now in American history. And it's just the fascists, like you said, it's the fascists that are, that are burning these Dr. Seuss books. And it's the fascists that are calling the people that aren't fascists, fascists. Mm -hmm. It's just such an, <laughs> an ironic time to, to live in. Yeah. Listen, um, you know, I want to go into this just a little bit. So I, we flashed that uh, article on the screen, six Dr. Dr. Seuss books won't be published for racist images. And it says this, uh, the Dr. Seuss Enterprises listened and took feedback from our audiences, including teachers, academics, specialists in the field as part of a review process. We then worked with a panel of experts, including educators to review our catalog of titles. Um, it says in the book that's called, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. The reason that one's canceled is because it portrayed an Asian person wearing a conical hat, holding chopsticks and eating from a bowl. Like, why is that offensive? Yeah. Asians in Asia like to eat with chopsticks. Have you ever been to a Chinese restaurant? Look at the management in the back, they're eating with chopsticks in a bowl. They don't have the hat on. I'm not, I just don't get it. And it's, it's no, no, let me say something. What if they had a children's book portraying an American, yeah. okay, on the, like in Texas, with a gun on the side and riding on a horse and a cowboy hat? Well, I know that doesn't necessarily, I'm not offended, really don't care at all. Not even, or what if they had us with a ball cap on, you know, sitting at a baseball game, eating a hot dog with our hands? You know, just like, that's not offensive. and because we eat hot dogs with our hands, we eat with knives and forks. If they eat with chopsticks out of bowls, it's not offensive. And it's such an idiotic, stupid thing to say that that is offensive. Now, if you're talking about them in a derogatory manner, that's offensive. If you're demeaning their race, that's offensive, okay? But yeah. they're not. It seems like there's a really fine line between the word stereotypical and and historically traditional. I mean, to say that all Asians are good at math, well, that's a stereotype. Mm -hmm. To say that in China, they eat food with chopsticks is not a stereotype. Mm -hmm. It's just a factual statement. Yes, and like, the, so like they're upset that, you know, someone's wearing one of those conical hats. Okay, are you kidding me? Like, first off, all the farmers, or many of them in Eastern and Asia, they still wear the conical hats and there's, you know, it's not like you go to their village and they're upset that you say you're wearing a conical hat. You're like, well, you know, I'm pricking my head from the sun. Okay, yeah. great. The ancient famous samurais, they wore conical hats. Not, it's not a direct, it's not an offensive thing. That's right. Guarantee you, if you went to um, Asia and you had them read that book, they'd be like, okay, cute book. Mm-hmm. Keep like, like, well, did you know those are those are being burned in America right now because that's so offensive? They're like, what? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why? Is it? They, they wouldn't care. Yeah. In the same fashion, okay, a little bit more deeper, a little bit more controversial, the Aunt Jemima syrup, right? Mm -hmm. If you remember, whenever that got canceled, the family that 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 woman on the bottle. Their their late you know grandmother, their family was furious. Yeah, they were so angry because that was part of their heritage. Yes, that was part of their you know their family history, 
And you, they just took it away from them. I guarantee you every family in that family probably had five bottles of syrup because anytime someone comes over, that's our aunt, you know, our aunt Jemima. It's on every syrup in all of America. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, if someone is famous in your family, you know, typically no one has famous people in their family, really. But if you do, it's going to be one. Okay, it, you know, not every family is like the Kardashians where like all of them are just rich and famous and they go everywhere. Okay, most people like if they have a famous person, they have one. And, it, you know, uh, it's like, oh, you know, actually, my second uh, cousin's brother's niece's uh, great uncle was actually so-and-so. Be impressed with me. Right? <laughs> now, that's how most people act whenever you have a famous person in the family. Right. So it's like, it was a huge deal for that family that it was their famous person in their family. I don't have any famous people in my family. No, I, no. I, I mean, if I had an uncle on a candy bar or something, mm -hmm. I think that's bad at the bone. Everyone would about, know. Everyone would know. <laughs> yeah. told, my grandma actually invented, I'm not gonna go, okay. She invented, she actually invented uh, frozen waffles, okay? And she actually sent it to Pillsbury and they denied her and she was not, she was, um, she wasn't a business savvy woman, so she didn't know. And Pillsbury came out with frozen waffles using her exact same method uh, just very, very shortly after that. And my great-grandma, she approached my mom like in the early 2000s or something, and actually showed her the paperwork and everything that she had sent in and said, Gianna, that's my mom's name, can I do anything about this? And she's like, oh, grandma, no, not anymore. The, you know, I guess you have like seven years or something. Like there's a legal, not anymore, grandma. Right, but so she actually invented, you know, so we could have been rich and famous, right? But you could so, have had your and, own Aunt Jemima. And, and I've and I've shared that story a hundred times. So uh, that's what I'm saying. They're canceling things that are just absolutely ridiculous, and they're they're trying to change uh, a culture, you know. And now, you know, you have Universal Lando having to get on board. They are now evaluating its Dr. Seuss themed areas according to CBN News because you know wow we didn't realize it was culturally uh, insensitive we apologize you know we were as liberal as they come and we just we just didn't know we didn't get the memo guess who else didn't get the memo was Kamala Harris look at this article <laughs> Kamala Harris tweets celebrating Dr. Seuss well, that becomes problematic. She actually posted this tweet in 2017. Uh, the then senator wrote on her Twitter, happy birthday, Dr. Seuss. The more that you read, the more things you will know, the more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Well, sorry, Kamala, that uh, we didn't forward you the memo that that was tabled to be canceled and now you look like a stinking racist, right? I mean, that just, like, no, they don't even know where they're going next. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, like you know, it's gonna, it's just gonna get down to our, the very words like, like, uh, mailman. Well, male person. Yeah. Right? I mean, or, you know, I, I've, I've heard that, you know, people in, in, in like the BLM movement are absolutely offended that they're to, to blackmail somebody. Why don't they call it white mail somebody? Yeah. Or, or a card game called blackjack. Why has it got to be blackjack? Why not? Like, it's just like, come on. Like, this is ab absolutely ridiculous. And even go back to the Dr. Seuss thing. I mean, it was part of what was offensive is that he called an Asian man from China a Chinaman. 
which has become, oh, that's a blacklisted term now. You cannot get any more accurate calling a person, a man from China, a China man. But that's, and they keep, they keep moving the goalposts so that they ban all words so that they can just choose which people they want to target. And if that, if the word China man is offensive to you, then understand that you have been subliminally changed by the politically correct culture. Because if you were in China and they said, hey, it's the American man, or hey, walking through the restaurant, hey, it's the American woman. There's no offense, right? You wouldn't be offended. You wouldn't be. So if you're offended by someone saying China man, then you have been deceived. It's ridiculous. And even if it does offend you, we have a constitution with a first amendment. And I believe it was the first amendment for a reason, first and foremost, which is freedom of speech. And even if you don't like what somebody says, people say stuff all the time I don't like. I think it's ridiculous. I think there's a lot of ignorance said all the time, right? Just tune in to CNBC. Mm -hmm. Just tune in to MSNBC, CNN. A lot of dumb things being said today. But guess what? They have the right to do that because they are American and they live in America and they have the, they are afforded uh, their constitutional rights, which is the First Amendment. So that's where we are. I wanna move it on to the next section. How do we win? Where do we go from here? It's gonna come down to public schools and the universities. Uh, And for, you know, we actually have a helicopter going over right now. I don't even know if the microphone's picking it up. But uh, just wanted to talk about that helicopter in the room. (laughs) It's not ours, it's just flying overhead. Um, So public schools and universities. I love Bodie Bauckham. He's an amazing Christian man, uh, and pray for him. He's actually dealing with some heart issues. We actually, we, as a ministry, part of your giving, we helped him uh, about two weeks ago for some of his medical procedures because he does not have insurance, medical insurance, and um, just an amazing teacher and preacher. Um, so probably because he's been having some heart issues and had to have to, a big surgery actually this week. Um, he said, and I love it, go ahead and put the graphic up. Christians will not win the culture war until they remove their children from government schools. There you have it. Now, I know there's always the exception because if you live in a nice community and this and that, there are some schools that are kind of in a way, getting around and kind of bucking the system a little bit. And I understand, because I actually know of one in this area, um, that, well, it's just what I'm trying to say is in this area, I'm, they're much more conservative right. than school districts right next to them. So I know that a lot of people aren't able to homeschool. I know a lot of people aren't able to send their kids to private school because it is so expensive. But if you can, I believe that is one of the ways that we can win. But say it again, Christians will not win the culture war until they remove their children from government schools. I'm telling you right now that uh, it it starts, I mean, it's like I actually had on the first page of my outline uh, a quote from Hitler, right? You know the quote. Give me a child when he's seven and he's mine forever. That's why they're taking away, you know, Mr. 
potato head because there's now no male or female. Those are just social constructs. We can't talk about Huckleberry Finn. We got to outlaw children programming like Paw Patrol. Listen, if you're a young parent like myself, you know all about Paw Patrol, right? Uh, it was It's featuring a, a squad of canines running around helping other creatures, but it's too positive towards the cops. Right. And it's too positive towards capitalism as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Paw Patrol is a part of what's being canceled. And even things like Legos City, you know, kids love they're building little things out of Legos. Well, Lego City's police station, things were dealing with cops were taken off uh, because uh, they're being canceled. Give me a child when he's seven. He's mine forever. That's that's Hitler. OK. Um, so they're being taught things like the 1619 project. And I want to take a few minutes to because we're in brand new platforms like CTN and, and other places, that the 1619 Project is absolutely horrific. And it is twisting and perverting our children's minds to what America really is and how America was truly founded. The 16 Project, the 1619 Project, it's in as of, well, it's, it's in over 3,500 schools in all 50 states. Uh, and all of these schools in all these 50 states, have, they've adopted. They've adopted the 1619 Project, which is a, a God-hating, uh, an anti-American, Marxist-pushing curriculum uh, into their classrooms. Now, 3,500 schools, 50 states, that was in 2020, okay? So now that we have Biden in office, I can't even imagine uh, how this has and will escalate. Because remember, uh, in late 2020, Donald Trump, uh, he created the 1776 Commission. And he cre created it in response to the 1619 Project. Well, did you know a couple months ago, uh, when Joe Biden was inaugurated, literally on his very first day in office, he dissolved the 1776 Commission. So make no mistake about where he you know, lands, so to speak. So, you know, qu quickly, what is the 1619 Project? For those of you that don't know, it's incredibly important. The 1619 Project is a series of articles published by the New York Times, not by historians, but by journalists, okay? The idea was that 1619 uh, the year the first uh, slaves arrived is the date of America's founding, not 1776 with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So this historian-free history, because it's written by journalists, not historians, not a single historian, this historian-free history of America was to refocus American, the American story around only one thing, and that being slavery. This is all a part of Marxism to... Uh, regression to tribalism, to be, to race above all, right? So the Federalists put it this way, and, and, I, and I really like it how they uh, said this. Uh, so go ahead and put that up on the screen. The New York Times shot for the moon on the 1619 Project. Its goal was nothing short of fundamentally changing the way Americans view the history of their country from a slow, painful pursuit of freedom to a deadly attempt to continue slavery and the oppression of minorities. Now, I agree with the Federalist. That is one of their goals, a short-term goal, to fundamentally change the way Americans view the history of their country. But their ultimate goal is social Marxism. You see, 
1619 Project uses two major methods to push Marxism. Number one, it's to rebrand the United States, not as uh, an ambitious experiment in liberty, essentially founded on the proposition that all men are created equal, right? Which that's, that's, that's what's really, that's what America is. But more so as a country that was established for the purpose of protecting the institution of slavery. That is what they state. And that is uh, successful only because of its oppression of minorities, especially of black Americans. Actually, it was 1619's, the 1619 Project's very first article called Our Democracy's Founding Ideals were false when they were written. Black Americans have fought to make them true. And here is a quote, go ahead and put this up on the screen, of the first article. Conveniently left out of our founding mythology is the fact that one of the primary reasons some of the colonists decided to, to declare their independence from Britain was because they wanted to protect the institution of slavery. By 1776, Britain had grown deeply conflicted over its role in the barbaric institution that had reshaped the Western Hemisphere. In London, there were growing calls to abolish the slave trade. This would have upended the economy of the colonists in both the North and the South. The wealth and the prominence that allowed Jefferson at just 33 and the other founding fathers to believe they could successfully break off from the one of the mightiest empires in the world came from the dizzying profits generated by slavery. So, one of the primary reasons we established this country was to protect the institution of slavery. That's what the 1619 Project says. That is a ridiculous claim. And not is it only ridiculous, it is literally a lie. Not only did the original draft of the, De the Declaration of Independence include a clause blaming King George for bringing slavery to America, okay, but Britain didn't abolish slavery until 1833. The truth is that restrictions on slavery in the United States began immediately after it became a nation and continued until its abolition uh, in 1865. What this article attempts to do is reframe America into nothing more than a social, political, and economic hierarchy in which minorities, black Americans, chief among them, are squarely placed at the bottom of the period. This is Marxism 101. So what is the, what's the uh, purpose of this? This per perfectly establishes the oppressor-oppressed narrative necessary to justify the wholesale acceptance of social Marxism, where the proletariat are not just simply defined by their economics, the proletariat, that's the working class, the not-have status, but by the accumulation of their intersections of oppression along the lines of immutable minority characteristics. If, you, if that last sentence doesn't make sense to you, then go and watch our previous shows on Marxism. The second thing is they attack capitalism as the system by which American oppresses, America oppresses minorities. The second article of the 1619 Project was titled this, uh, in order to understand the brutality of American capitalism, you have to start on the plantation. So capitalism is the enemy. Once again, Vody Bakum, Christians will not win the culture war until they remove their children from government schools. And we could even talk about 
universities, but we're totally out of time for today. Higher education does little today but corrupt the souls of impressionable Americans. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about sending your kid to university, please just think about what you're doing, how they would be indoctrinated. If you can send them to a private school, send it. But if they can even learn a trade, send them to a trade school. If, they, if they're passionate about, you know, uh, that is a... You're not going to... Send them here. We can teach them some... Yeah, <laughs> send them here. Some media stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, we are totally out of time. I've already went over time. Uh, once again, just when I ask, we're not a product-driven ministry. We have no sponsors. Please become a monthly recurring partner. We need to build that back up after losing a, uh, around $1,200 in, in monthly support. Um, so if we could just build that back up, that would be amazing. So please go to zachtrushow.com, click the bright orange donate button. If you can only give a one-time gift, please do that. Um, and if you can become a monthly recurring partner. That'd be absolutely amazing. Well, thanks for watching today's program. We'll see you next week.